Hey everyone, and welcome to another Yogi Misfit Sessions. My name is Danny Pomploon, and I am your host. Today I'm coming at you with one of the smartest women I know, who is Trina Altman. She is a rat. Okay, in this episode, I tell you guys how awesome her course is, and I'm going to tell you in the intro, and I wish, Trina, you gave me money for this. (laughs) But it has really changed the way that I look at yoga and the way that I teach yoga, asana that is. Um, But this is a really cool program called Regress to Progress. And she talks all about how you can change levers and movements. And anyway, it's really awesome. I highly recommend you guys check it out. We got to talk today a little bit about her uh, system that she calls uh, Yoga Deconstructed and how you can break down a pose, but also up-level it and just make it accessible to so many bodies. And also that movement is not just yoga. It's multiple things that go with it. So this is like totally my jam. Uh, she's really good friends with uh, one of the sh- uh, show's guests, Rocky Heron, and a couple other movement people. And so it's just really great to get some of this biomechanics back in the show. I know you guys loved it so much. We got a lot of feedback from the last round. So I hope you guys enjoy this week's session with Trina Altman. Before we get started, I want to remind you guys that leaving us a review, which only takes about two minutes on iTunes, is so helpful for the show. So if you could take some time out, show us some love, we would greatly appreciate it. I know everyone that comes to listen to the show would greatly appreciate it because it really does help us grow. And I'll give you a big high five or a big hug if I see you either virtually or in person. Without further ado, here comes this week's session. Trina, you are like the mobility master. Oh, I don't know about that, but (laughs) (laughs) I definitely like moving and teaching people how to move in ways that they enjoy. So have you always been like just a big fan of movement or it grew on you over the years or I mean, you've done so much with it. Yeah. I mean, as a kid, I was, I was the kid that was like, oh, we have a swing set in our backyard. I should climb up to the top where that pole is, <laughs> like, <laughs> sit up there and swing there. Why would I swing on the swing? <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I was always a mover. Uh, you know, growing up, there was a lot of pressure that I put on myself and also just, you know, my family is, was like big into like get good grades and study hard. And, you know, that's the most important thing. Mm -hmm. So there were definitely times in my life where I wasn't moving as much because I was reading a lot and, you know, studying and and doing the the school stuff. And and same thing, like after I graduated college, things kind of ebbed and flowed as far as Mm -hmm. times in my life when I was moving more or less. Um, But yes, I'm always happier when there's more movement happening in my life. So it was just a matter of, you know, I changed careers many times trying to figure out essentially just how to be happy in many situations because I wasn't happy, but yoga wasn't like a thing you did as a career. I mean, yoga wasn't even a thing. I'm old. (laughs) I'm 46. So, you know, it's like, I didn't even really know. Well, there was, what's her name on PBS? Um, Was it Lilia Fullis? I don't even know. And there was one other woman. So, you know, in the seventies there was like, gosh, what's his name? Richard Hittleman's little paperback book with a bunch of really like hip women that looked like, 
kind of like Audrey Hepburn out of Breakfast at Tiffany's in these like black unitards, you know? Sold. <laughs> exactly. I actually, I actually have that black unitard. <laughs> black, you know, black unitards never go out of style. Unitards in general, right? <laughs> Because you can do so much with them, right? That's I mean, actually today, today's episode is all about how to wear black unitards <laughs> in different ways. Well, if you are familiar with Elizabeth Larcom, uh, she's like one of my movement heroes, and she always teaches wearing a unitard. Um, she is uh, Pilates, Feldenkrais, fascia-oriented, um, mm. you know, just kind of super interdisciplinary movement nerd person. And yeah, I, I, whenever she comes out with a new class on Pilates anytime. I'm like, what's our unitard going to look like? (laughs) (laughs) She has them made. She has them custom made. So I love it. That's awesome. I got, I want it. I want custom made unitards. Well, I, maybe I can reach out to her and I bet we could find out where she's in. She's in Northern California. So only if we can do jazzercise when we do it. I yeah, love it. Yeah. So Trina, explain to us so that everyone knows, like going into this, like what is your background? I know you have a few different things that you've worked towards and you have a lot of letters about after your name. I guess. I mean, um, I started in this career 10 years ago. Um, I did my 200 hour teacher training and then my 300 hour, we were living in uh, Connecticut at the time Mm -hmm. in New Haven. Mm -hmm. And my husband and I, we moved. And from there I did my Pilates training just kind of happened mm-hmm. stance, so to speak. I was at a sure. teaching yoga at a studio that also had Pilates and um, the studio owner was pregnant and she was like, there's a training nearby, you know, would you like to, you know, maybe if you take it and pass the test, you can cover for me when I'm on maternity leave. So I was like, sure. So yeah, I, that's kind of how it began 10 years ago. And then I'm trying to think how much you want to know. <laughs> <laughs> Essentially, yeah, I started teaching yoga. Let's see, when I was in Connecticut, a little bit, you know, I taught, I guess I kind of just finished my teacher training. It was a year long training. It was one week and a month for 13 months. Mm-hmm. And I taught the woman who was, um, we rented, I guess you'd call it like a duplex. So she had a house and then like this little kind of apartment next to it. We had separate doors and she had been practicing yoga for a long time, like maybe 20 years or so taking group classes. And I said, I'll give you a free private once a week. If you just, you know, under the understanding that I don't really know what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm really training. <laughs> totally, totally. You <laughs> be my it, guinea pig and it's going to be great. Yeah, but it was such a, um, an amazing experience. It, it, you know, she was like, wow, I've learned more from you, you know, teach, taking privates this year than I've learned in all 20 years of taking a group class. And uh, that wasn't necessarily because I was so great. I didn't, you know, I was just in the training, but just that idea, I think of the one-on-one experience was, was really helpful for her. And yeah, so I, I did my 300 hour with the same teacher because at the time it was a yoga therapy school and I Uh, was afraid to get up in front of people. and, And I knew I really enjoyed teaching those privates. So I thought, perfect. Like I'll just go into this sort of, you know, yoga one-on-one private 
therapy route. And then when I finished the 300 hour, I was working at the desk at a yoga studio and I had always wanted to teach a group class. I was just afraid. So it was a process of getting over being up in front of people and talking. I was a gymnast and like competitive cheerleader. I wasn't afraid to move in front of people. It was the talking part. (laughs) Well, um, that was, yeah, a little overwhelming. I think a lot of us in, for, for, for me anyway, like when I, after I did teacher training, it really gave me courage to actually like get in front of people and, and yeah, just be a little more comfortable talking. Yeah. I mean, I, I knew I wanted to share what I had learned and that was the only way it was going to happen. Um, <laughs> it was just like, yeah, figuring out how to get from, from A to B. And when I took public speaking in college, oh God, you know, it was just like, I hated it. It was awful. So yeah, I think unless you come from more of like an acting background or maybe even singing or just something of that nature, then it might already feel comfortable. But for for me, it was is definitely not. So yeah, so I eventually, you know, started teaching classes and we moved to Iowa after Connecticut, sorry, no, Milwaukee, and then Iowa. And then we moved here to Los Angeles in 2010. And Mm -hmm. so when we got here, I was like, oh, I might not ever even teach yoga because I don't know anyone. (laughs) I didn't have any connections, you know, to get a job or anything. So it was a process. I had finished my Pilates training or I finished my Pilates training here. I started it in Iowa and then finished it here and started teaching at a place that was called Beyond Physical Therapy. So they had um, physical therapy, yoga, Pilates, acupuncture, massage, Uh, then they also had like Yamana rolling classes and TRX classes. So it was an interdisciplinary, um, sort of movement space that also had physical therapy. Mm -hmm. And let's see, then I took the yoga tune-up level one training. I guess what had happened, you know, we live in Manhattan beach and I went to all the studios around and was kind of like, okay, I've been teaching flow classes, but not like the flow that was happening near where I lived, Um, (laughs) you know, with like a thousand chaturangas and a million arm balances and, you know, super hot and sweaty, um, which I would have loved in my twenties. I mean, I, you know, when I sat at a desk all day, there was nothing I wanted more (laughs) to do than like, just like sweat it all out and do the hardest thing possible. But, but yeah, in my late thirties, not so much. Um, and also after learning just a lot of kinesiology and exercise science principles in my Pilates training and teaching so many private Pilates sessions where people specifically all, you know, came because they couldn't take group classes because they had injuries and, you know, had done their physical therapy, but weren't ready to like jump back into a group class at the gym or at a yoga and Pilates studio. I didn't want to teach those kind of classes. So, you know, when I took the yoga tune-up training, I was like, oh, okay, this can work. Like if I teach at a gym where people are very open to all different kinds of movement and the class isn't called like, you know, vinyasa flow, it's called something else, right. um, then then this can work. I can still teach yoga because for a while I was like, maybe I'll just teach Pilates and forget about this yoga thing. <laughs> 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 because I didn't want to, I you know, I felt like, Uh, what they wanted was for me to essentially be like a DJ, you know, and just walk around and say like, inhale, arms up, exhale, fold, inhale this, exhale that. And I was like, nah, no, no. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Well, I guess when you, 
you, I mean, that was definitely your, your, your start to the movement journey. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about yoga deconstructed because I firmly believe everybody needs to start to listen and tune into this stuff because it is so you've changed the, just so you know, you forever changed the way that I teach yoga. You don't even know that, but you Aww. do, you have. Yeah. Well, that, that, you know, it's really nice to be able to share things on social media and, you know, learn from other people on social media. It's, it's really cool. Um, you were, you were a big influence to some of my main teachers, you know, one being Rocky who speaks a world. I mean, I've heard oh, about I you for, Rocky. for a while now and finally did my own research and, and Rocky learned some cool stuff from you. And I got to learn some cool stuff from Rocky, like mobility mapping and just like, you know, really thinking critically about why we do the things that we do. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's so funny. I like we, I've gotten to learn from him. I've taken um, a couple workshops and, uh, and then we just talk a lot and he's just, oh my God, he's, you know, genius and just so smart and creative. So uh, let's see, how did it start? Essentially, I, well, my actually, background. Actually, maybe we give people a little like, I know what it is. Maybe we tell people, we tell people what it is first. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, well, so I call what I do yoga deconstructed and also Pilates deconstructed. And, you know, if I think back to it all, uh, in my 20s, I, I was a fashion designer and um, I always loved the designers that deconstructed, you know, the ones like Martin Margiela who would put like the seams on the outside or the tag on the outside. Like you could always see how it was constructed mm -hmm. um, without like having to dig. And because I'm hypermobile, I struggled with understanding. Um, I would go to any kind of mindful movement class, whether it was yoga or Pilates. And the imagery was just made no sense to me. You know, like if a mm -hmm. teacher said, spread your collarbones, you know, I'm so literal. I was like, okay, I know muscles move bones. So how am I supposed <laughs> to spread my collarbones? Right, 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 <laughs> right. Totally. My brain has the power to tell my collarbones to move, you know, one of those yep. people. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So it was a, a process of, injuries and, you know, taking lots and lots of trainings myself and, you know, going to physical therapy and taking a lot of private sessions and, and Pilates and gyrotonic to just figure out like how my own body worked and how to, you know, kind of have a sustainable movement practice for the rest of my life. I knew I wanted to always move. And um, it, when I finished, I guess it was when I finished my probably 300 hour, you know, I just, I was starting to have a lot of pain. Mm. It was, you know, and I just couldn't figure it out. So creating the name Yoga Deconstructed, both and Pilates Deconstructed really came out of, I'm one of those people who like somebody will ask me to do something and I say yes, but I don't have any idea how I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Sure. I have a feeling you're probably one of those too. Um, yeah, totally, 100%. <laughs> you don't know me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so um, that's what happened with both uh, Pilates Deconstructed and Yoga Deconstructed. They were, uh, I was asked to create online courses and, you know, I wanted to, so I came up with the name because I figured that will accurately describe what I do and how I teach because what I do is I like to deconstruct you know, either a Pilates exercise or a yoga pose into, you know, like 
component parts. So what's happening in each joint, you know, creating corrective exercises or somatic exercises or using sensory feedback tools like a foam roller or, you know, um, balls to help people sense the parts of themselves that are going to be involved in, in something that is like a compound movement that is might be more intermediate to advanced as opposed to just doing a bunch of intermediate to advanced things you know, during the entire class. Right. And I think people love to be challenged. And and the reason why it's worked is because I'm pretty good at coming up with corrective exercises and mobility drills that are really hard, but simple, Mm -hmm. um, that allow people to appreciate something that's different that they might not already be doing or or seeing in their other classes, but that are going to get them to the place that they want to go. And there's, I mean, there's so many rabbit holes you can go down with that stuff too. You know, you could focus on a joint and the way it does one thing or the way it does another. And then how that, I mean, you literally have (laughs) years of material. Yes, absolutely. And um, I think for a long time, the thought process was if you can't do something, you just keep trying to do that thing. I mean, even as a gymnast growing up, it was like, you can't do a backhand swing. Well, you get out the big old squishy gymnastics mat and you just keep trying <laughs> until you don't until land you on get your it head. Done. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, because I mean, even the field of exercise science um, is, you know, relatively new. Uh, even the idea of cross train. I mean, I'm old enough to, I remember, you know, basically every fad, you know, in the seventies when the Nikes came out and my dad bought a pair and decided to take up jogging and, you know, just all of it. And then when Jane Fonda came out and everyone decided to get a pair of, you know, sneakers that had more padding than the, like the ones that you would wear to play tennis in the 1970s. (laughs) So you could jump up and down on a hard floor, you know, and do your high impact aerobics. So it was, but the, the crazy thing is it's still kind of that way. I think it's finally starting to shift, you know, movement educators, teachers, and a bit with practitioners, but there's still an idea of like, you do a thing. Like I, I play tennis or I, practice yoga or I, you know, I go to soul cycle and, and instead of like, I do a whole bunch of different things because that's actually going to be the best way to probably not get injured. Is to do a multitude of things, right? Yes. Yeah. When you, when you do decide to do these yoga deconstructed drills and like, by the way, everyone should be hooked on your Instagram if they're not already. Your Instagram is, I learn something new every day. Oh, thank you. Every single day. Yes. Why do you think it's important for us as yoga teachers, specifically right now, to start to question these things and to start to bring these things into practice versus just sitting back and letting them, you know, we do the thing where we just sit back and where we're taught to do this this way. So that's how we do it. And that's how we're just going to do it. You know, Mm -hmm. why do you think it's important to, to, to bring forth these different aspects and these different tools and, you know, question the joint positions and deconstruct it? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, everybody's body is different. So, you know, if we have like, say a set of shapes that we're all doing and the the shapes are set, right. Mm -hmm. That in and of itself is 
going to be a problem because we're all different. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I know people don't think that because you look at the skeleton that's in the classroom, right? And you think, oh, everyone on the planet looks like this skeleton. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but only one person on the planet ever looked like that skeleton. And that's right. the, the human that they cast for that skeleton. <laughs> um, but, you know, we forget that. And even in anatomy books, um, you know, the drawings are uh, sort of a average of a whole bunch of different bodies. So, and then we all have different types of connective tissue. So uh, Robert Schleip, <clears throat> who's a, a wonderful, well-known researcher in the world of fascia, um, talks about how there's a spectrum, but that people tend to either have more of like uh, Viking fascia or um, temple dancer fascia. And so okay. if you have more Viking fascia, you tend to be more on the sort of stiff side, which is can actually be a wonderful thing, right? Like those are the people that are going to be able to um, lift really heavy objects and um, probably have maybe a little more elastic recoil in their Achilles tendons for sprinting. Or mm. um, And then there are folks on the other end of the spectrum that have more temple uh, dancer fascia who are going to be like super good at belly dancing or, um, you know, things like gymnastics or, you know, things that involve bigger Stretchy. ranges of motion. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, most classes these days are all levels class. Like there's no barrier. You, you show Which is up. insane. <laughs> yeah. So even if it says level one, two, like a level three person can walk in the door, or even if it says, you know, I mean, what is a level three person, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So in order to teach a group class or even to teach a private session, I think it's important that you have tools in your toolbox that allow you to sort of in the moment change what you're doing to something that's appropriate for that person. And, you know, you can't ever know that, but you, I mean, that's why it's sort of a trial and error or there's what's called in the exercise science world, regressions and progressions. Mm. Um, so like, for example, I was teaching a dead bug yesterday to one of my private clients and she was like, Ooh, you know, I'm feeling something funky. And she like pointed to uh, her hip crease. And so, you know, we were doing it where she had both arms up to the ceiling, both legs and tabletop, and she was alternating one opposite arm, opposite leg. And I said, no problem. Like, we'll just take the foot to the ground, take that leg out of tabletop, because it doesn't have to be in the air, we can still move the opposite arm and opposite leg. So we closed a kinetic chain that was open, right? When her leg was in tabletop, her foot was in the air. When we right. put her foot on the ground, it's a closed chain. And then she had no pain and we could continue the exercise. Right. Right. So it's, you know, it's simple. If you have sort of the, the knowledge, I have an online course called regress to progress. And, you know, it just talks about those things. Like how do you increase a lever or decrease a lever? How would you, you know, I could have done something else. I could have flipped it upside down and have her come to her hands and knees and do a bird dog because it's a dead bug upside right. down. Right. Totally. Totally. But like, say that person had a wrist thing, I would flip it over and have them do say the dead bug and see if that was okay. So knowing how to do these and, and also knowing that like a bird dog and a dead bug is a regressed version of a warrior three or like a half handstand. And help, like for those that are listening and don't know these these terms, like the which, by the way, everyone go by her course because <laughs> literally it changed the way I teach yoga. Give give them an example of regression and progression. Well, you know, it can be different for different people, but in general, if you have a shorter lever, um, that's going to be a regression to a longer lever. So, for example, 
if you were, if you, you know what a hollow body hold is, it's basically where you're like lying on your back and your whole body is off the ground except for like your butt and your lower back. Like a, like a little banana shape. Yes, exactly. Um, so if you wanted to regress that, right, your legs being out long is a long lever. So you could bend your knees to tabletop and that's going to make it a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Or you could rest your head and shoulders on the ground instead of lifting your head and shooulders off the ground. Right. Let's see. How would you yeah. progress that? And then say, yes, if you wanted to progress a hollow body hold, you could do a handstand because when you're in a handstand, for a lot of people, not everybody, the tendency would be to go into that like backwards banana mm-hmm. and the hollow body hold is uh, like a regular banana. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so um, you need that strength in the anterior kinetic chain or the front of the body to prevent yourself from say falling backwards with your legs when you're in a handstand. Right. So you started taking these, these concepts then of, of regression and progression into your practice and then developed, well, not developed. Well, yeah, you did. You developed this course to, you know, the regression and uh, regress to progress course to then help teachers basically just be smarter with the things that they're teaching. Yeah. As I mean, you know, I want people to have critical thinking skills. So rather than just memorize, you know, a sequence or, you know, copy, say, the way somebody else teaches to be able to make decisions on how you want to teach based on what the goals are of your students. Mm -hmm. Um, Because some people have the goal of wanting to do a handstand and other people's goal is to just not feel pain when they move. Uh, And so those are two different classes and two different private sessions. When you, when you give people these tools and techniques and you say, again, you know, like giving them the chance to critically think, how do you tell <laughs> this is great because I was a very vinyasa teacher, like, do not stop me. <laughs> I will keep going. Everything is inhale, exhale. And when I actually went through like having to slow myself down and to like break this stuff down, I hated it obviously because all I knew was vinyasa and now I love it. You know, now I like absolutely like everyone let's stop and let's go to a wall for the next 30 minutes, <laughs> you know, and then maybe we'll do a chaturanga if we get there in class, but probably we won't. How do you invite people to start to, to start to take these practices in? Well, I think, you know, there's nothing wrong with regular vinyasa flow. <clears throat> the only time that people usually want to learn um, something different is when the thing they're currently doing isn't working for them anymore. Mm. You know how Dr. Phil would always say, so how's that working for you? <laughs> you <know? laughs> so like, I'm not going to get the students who love their vinyasa flow. And I wouldn't want them. I would want them to go to a class where they're going to flow the whole time because that's what they want. And that's what feels good. And that's what they enjoy. But for a lot of people, they want to do yoga and that actually doesn't work for them or it's not their preference. So yeah, I mean, I, I get the people that like, I'm not an evening class teacher because evening classes are at least when I worked in the corporate world and I would take evening classes, like I did not want to think I had been thinking for eight hours, (laughs) like staring at a computer computer screen, I wanted to show up, do the poses that I knew, you know, were were coming, sweat, breathe, move, like decompress, and then eat dinner and go to bed. Right. You know, I teach a noon class at Equinox in Santa Monica. 
and I teach a morning class at the Equinox in Palos Verdes. You know, I mean, I, I teach teachers, but as far as like regular group classes, the the people that come to those classes, they're they're super curious. They want to learn. They want to be challenged. You know, they've either had their coffee in the morning and they're like, cool, what's Trina going to bring out today? <laughs> what, what torture techniques yeah, is she going to do? Weird props <laughs> is she going to show up with? Um, so, you know, and, and then my lunchtime class is same, same thing. So, you know, it tends to be a, a bit of an older demographic, I'd say 30 to 35 and up. And then also, yeah, people who are movement curious. So, you know, because I, I teach my group classes at Equinox and the other place where I teach is interdisciplinary. Nobody freaks out if one day we're using stretchy bands and the next day we're sliding on blankets. They're not like, oh, this isn't yoga. Like, you know, <laughs> I mean, they might still walk out because they're, they're like, this isn't, you know, what I want to do. But, um, you know, it's it's not like every other class on the schedule is, is like a traditional traditional quote unquote yoga class. And then suddenly they're like whacked in the head with whatever I'm bringing to class that day. I think Rocky called it irregular yoga. (laughs) We're going to do regular yoga and now we're going to do irregular yoga. (laughs) Right. Well, and, and for me, I've studied so many different mindful movement modalities that I just see movement as movement. So, Mm. you know, I mean, even something like Pilates, like, you know, I'd say 90% of the shapes are the same as the shapes in yoga asana because, you know, Krishmacharya and Joseph Pilates and Iyengar, they all are of the same age and the same era. They all learned a lot of these movements from, you know, wrestling and Indian martial arts and Swedish gymnastics. gymnastics yeah. So, you know, when somebody Navasana, which is boat pose in Pilates is teaser and, you know, downward facing dog and yoga is called elephant and Pilates. Uh, so, um, you know, it's just all a bunch of animals. It's just who decided which name. Yeah. <laughs> what animal that was the cutest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but, you know, obviously every teacher who teaches shapes in a mindful way is going to come at it from a different lens in their own personal background and, and experiences. So, and also sort of the market, you know, a right. lot of what Joseph taught was because he happened to be in New York and, you know, a lot of his clients happened to be dancers like Martha Graham. And so you always want to meet your students' needs, right? That's why they're coming to you. Totally. And so a lot of times people's entire body of work becomes influenced. I had a hard time. I had a hard time when I started learning these, like, like now my practice is very influenced by like, you know, like you guys, all of you guys that are, I, I just think you guys are like the cat's meow. My, my animal of choice. <laughs> <laughs> I love cats. So I'm highly honored to be a cat. <laughs> You're like, thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. Cats are awesome. <laughs> Super engaged. Moving on. Let's talk more about cats. No, but I, I like, I like in my personal practice, that's, I'm more inclined to, you know, uh, pick up a yardstick and pick up a whatever, uh, a, a wood block versus um, sometimes a cork block or, a, a ball, whatever it is, I'm more inclined to do that and just play. Mm-hmm. Sometimes literally it's me rolling on the floor, you know, like mm-hmm. just whatever it is versus the linear, like, okay, I'm going to stay on this little piece of plastic. That's a rectangle and I don't move around on it. And I just come up and I come down and I, you know, that's, that's more what it, it, it for me, the move again, the movement stuff feels better. And I had a really hard time with 
introducing stuff, some of this into class. And what I realize is, is I, I actually don't have to do it in a vinyasa class. What I can do is do a different class and call it yeah. movement stuff. Totally. <laughs> you know, or mm-hmm. movement and random shit Danny wants to do that day. <laughs> yeah, no, I think my situation was unique in the sense that I wasn't already teaching like a certain way. And then I changed it on my students. You know, I moved here and knew what I wanted to teach and how I wanted to teach. Like I Mm -hmm. I knew that, you know, I'm taking these Feldenkrais classes and I don't want to not be able to include a Feldenkrais movement if I think it's going to help my students. Or, you know, I know all these corrective exercises from rehab when I was, you know, in PT for my shoulder. And there's some people in here with shoulder stuff that I know could benefit from it. And so I don't want to feel like I can't share those things with them. Mm -hmm. So I do think for teachers, you know, if you are teaching a certain way, yeah, don't just change what you're teaching and keep the class name the same because people will not be happy. (laughs) And also don't start teaching all this new stuff overnight and like change the way you teach immediately. Not, Not a good thing to do. Right. Well, yeah. And I think, you know, coming from you know, I've taught Pilates private sessions ever since I finished my training and, and in Pilates land, I guess you could call it, it's changed now, but just over the last few years, but for, I'd say like the first seven or eight years that I was teaching Pilates, you weren't even allowed to take a group class at a Pilates studio unless you took a certain number of private sessions to learn the basics. And then that teacher would decide if you were ready for a group class. And then a group class would be like five people on five reformers, Mm -hmm. you know, with five window chairs or, you know, maybe a tower or something. So when I would learn new things, I was always teaching them to my private clients and seeing how these individuals would respond to the different exercises and movements, but with a conversation around it. Right. Because mm-hmm. if you're in a group class, there's no conversation, <laughs> you know, right. yeah, totally. in a private, you know, I say, OK, well, let's try this. And then we try it. And I'm like, well, how was that? And then they tell me. So, you know, it's a, just a different way of, I think, being able to integrate new things and to get a really hands on eyes on feedback of whether it's working or not, because I might have one client who's like, oh my God, this is the cat's meow, (laughs) you know? And another client was like, no, actually this doesn't feel good for me. And so we were like, okay, let's do something different. What are you most excited about right now in your own movement? Like what is just lighting you up? Gosh, well, I do lots of different types of movement in a week. So um, I can tell you all the things that I do, they all light me up and they all influence what I teach. I mean, like last, I I usually take um, a gyrotonic tower class one night a week and I took it last night Mm -hmm. and it's always fun. But for some reason, there's three of us in the class, there's three towers and we were just like all synchronized, but not even trying. And we were doing lots of, you know, spiral movements, uh, cause gyrotonic is just tons of spiral movements. Mm. And I don't know, like it wasn't as though we did movements that were really different from ones I've done before in our class, but you know, with anything, sometimes something clicks and you're like, ah, oh, like I don't have to break my brain to do this movement anymore. It's starting to feel a little more natural. So I mean, that's just like a geek out moment from, from last <laughs> night. But uh, this other class I started taking, um, it's called Soma Dance. And the woman who teaches it, she basically combines 
like Le Bon Martinief floor work with a little bit of modern dance, which I'm actually horrible at, but <laughs> it just like, it's so good for my brain. She'll do this like little teeny tiny phrase, which is just like a mini piece of choreography and, you know, we'll just practice it. And it's fun for me because it's like, I'm so horrible at it, but I'll be like, wait, I think I see a half moon in that thing. Maybe I can do it, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I understand. Yeah. Right. And and so, you know, I'm just a learner. I mean, even when I was a fashion designer and I lived in New York, my favorite thing to do was, you know, just like wander the streets of New York and look in windows and and go like, oh my God, that feather is amazing. Like, how can I wear that feather? Because I have nowhere to wear like a feather hat. And so, yeah. but I'd be like, oh, but I can make a feather necklace, you know? Right, right. So that's what I do with movement. I, I love sampling it and then thinking like either how can this movement help one of my students or clients that maybe has an injury they're trying to overcome or just like, how can I introduce this in a way that is going to be fun and challenging in a, in a non frustrating way, you know, like that right amount of challenge where you're able to take your students into a flow state, because that's kind of the whole point, right. Of mindful movement. Is, yeah. 100%. Yeah. Get connected. Yeah. So like helping them learn without overwhelming them. I love it. And, and I, I'm going to stress again for all the teachers listening in, I'm Trina. I feel like I should be getting paid. But. I, know. <laughs> I gave, I wrote him a big check right before this podcast <laughs> with a bullet point list of everything to say. Yeah, totally. I, I, if only it were true. Oh, you're so sweet. I really do feel like every teacher should pick up your, your, uh, regress to progress. It's, it is absolutely insanity. It's bonkers well, in the best way possible. It's just a short little webinar that I think it's 35 minutes. So it's the theory and the sort of terminology. And then I have a yoga deconstructed online um, movement uh, workshop. There's like three classes, so you can buy them all together. And that's kind of how you would see those theoretical concepts in action. And then when I teach it live, obviously, it's it's everything. It's like the regressive progress with the movements from Yoga Deconstructed. Um, I'm writing a book. It's hopefully, it's supposed to be done by the end of this year. No big deal. <laughs> <laughs> For Handspring Publishing. And it's called Yoga Deconstructed, Bridging the Gap from Rehab, uh, like Physical Therapy Rehab to the Classroom. And so, so yeah, that's kind of what I travel around and, and teach. I love it. I, I cannot wait to the day where I get to practice with you in person. And I just, I can't thank you enough for taking your time out and, and sharing all of your, your wealth of knowledge, but mainly like inspiring me to critically think, which I used to hate. I used to be like, why? I just want to do the things that a way that I do it. But you've now like, it's exciting. It's exciting to it's play permission to play. Oh, good. Yeah. It's like a puzzle, right? I mean, you know, you're, um, but it's a, a fun movement puzzle, not one of those frustrating jigsaw puzzles. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been a pleasure. I so admire what you do. I'm just like so impressed. Um, you know, I come from a, a business background and the corporate world and, you know, sales and marketing and all that stuff. And just to, to see somebody like you who's so kind and motivated and generous and organized and, and really like just making things happen with all of your, your teaching teachers and your continuous learning and, you know, how you 
highlight others on your podcast. So I am thank you. I mean, of you as the cat's meow. <laughs> oh, thank you. We're, we're low key like fangirling on each other yeah, here. <laughs> no, seriously. I yeah, I really want to come take class with you. So if you you know next time I'm up in uh, NoCal or you are down here, we definitely need to like have a geek out session. Absolutely. 100%. And, and I firmly do believe like, I mean, I could do this on my own, but that's boring. I'd rather hang out with my friends and get to talk to really awesome people and highlight people that I think should like the world should know about because I mean, yeah, it's just, yeah, we could, I mean, we can go on for hours about that, but wow. anyway. <laughs> I'm, yeah. So grateful. Thank you so much, Danny. Thank you for until the next Yogi Misfit session. This is Trina and Danny saying peace out. Peace out.